Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Strong Christian Female Podcast. I'm your host, Charity, and this is a community of women who want to be warriors for Jesus Christ. We are kicking off the desire to be comfortable and embracing a wholehearted abandonment to Him alone. Not through legalism, not through works, but through His grace and mercy. We're going to overcome the lies of this culture and replace them with the eternal truth of God's Word. So. Whether you're a student, a stay-at-home mom, a grandma, an entrepreneur, whether you're new to the walk of Christianity, or a veteran spiritual warrior, you are welcome here. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Strong Christian Female. This week, we are talking about compassion and Christ-centered compassion. It's an important topic, and I really am excited to delve into it with you today. In addition to that, I want to just say, if you don't know who we are, uh, we are a platform for women who encourage each other to follow Jesus Christ every day. We talk about hard topics. We delve deep into scripture. We try to see the world through the lens of the gospel rather than to see the gospel through the lens of the world. So this week is about compassion, and I, I want to use three stories specifically from the gospels to delve into that. And I think what's super important is just acknowledging the fact that we, um, as believers, often misunderstand compassion, and it's because we've let the world define it. So if you ask someone, hey, what is compassion, often what they'll give you the actual definition of is empathy. They'll say, well, if someone hurt their toe and they were in pain, I would want to stop and, and, and remember, oh, gosh, when I hurt my toe and what that feels like, and I want to go to them and I want to say, I'm so sorry. Um, I hope you feel better. Can I get you a Band-Aid? Can I get you some ice? And you want to help solve that problem if you can or just at least show them you're sad for them or you, you, you want to show them that you care by emotionally showing them that you, you get what they're going through. Although a good thing to do, that's actually empathy. Compassion is an action, okay? It, is a, it, is, it moves you. It, it, it compels you to do something. It, it forces you to act. Christ was compassionate. He acted on what he was moved by, okay? Whether it was the Holy Spirit moving him, whether it was his heart seeing past something and moving him, Christ was full of compassion, so these three stories are found in Mark. They're in uh, some of them are in other gospels as well, but Mark really is saturated with these wonderful stories of compassion right off the bat. So I'm just going to just going to stick in Mark today. The first one is the leper. Now leprosy today is more understood as as a nerve disorder, something that dis, uh, keeps you from feeling pain. But back then it was thought to be a very contagious disease. And, and it's not to say you can't catch leprosy, but but it's much more rare today just just by keeping things clean and understanding protocols of cleanliness. But back then, people were terrified of getting leprosy because they thought it ate your skin, ate your bones, caused all these disorders. It's not that it certainly didn't, it didn't appear to cause those things. But what it mostly did was make someone an outcast of society. If they were to come into town or go anywhere, they had to call out, unclean, unclean, wherever they went, so that people could could get back and away from them. They weren't allowed to touch things of other people. They weren't allowed to see their families very close. They weren't allowed to to be visited except from far away, literally far away. Like, I, I don't know the exact distance, but it would be around 15 to 20 feet. 
They had no human interaction, no human touch, no human relationships. They weren't allowed to be in town. It was a lonely, sad existence. They couldn't work. There was no purpose to their lives, it would seem. So here comes a leper to Jesus, and let's read about that. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. So what happens here? Well, he says something to Jesus that I think is just profound. If you are willing, you can make me clean. He's clearly aware that this is a choice Jesus has. It's in his hands. And it says Jesus was indignant or Jesus was moved with compassion is what a lot of transcripts say. So he was moved with compassion and he acted on that compassion. But what did he do first? He didn't heal him first. He touched him first. That touch is a symbol of dignity that Jesus didn't fear him, that Jesus was willing to break the social norms and restore this man's humanity, his worth, his dignity, to show him he was worthy of human touch. He restored, in my opinion, his soul's value by doing that. And then he healed him. I am willing. You are clean. But he touched him first. That is astounding. The disciples must have been around him, and maybe even other people gasping, disgusted. <gasps> what are you doing? For Jesus to touch a leper meant that he was going to be unclean. But Jesus didn't care. He cared about this man's soul's worth. It's just like the Christmas song when it said, um, Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Jesus was moved with compassion for this man's soul first, and then his body. Obviously, the healing was going to bring this man into restoration in society, but he didn't care that that was done first. He cared that the man was valued first, and he was going to show him, I value you no matter if you're sick or not. I value you no matter if other people do or not. He didn't touch him after he was clean. He touched him before to prove a point to this man. You are worthy. You are loved. That is something I'm sure this man had not ever experienced since he got leprosy. And I don't know how long that was, but it had to have been quite a while. So the next story we're going to go into is the lame man. Now, this is a pretty well-known story. It's also in Mark 2. Let's read it first and let's break it down. Mark 2, 1 through 12. And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together, so there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof from him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed in which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their heart, Why does this man speak like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, he said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to this paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. 
But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So first of all, Jesus, tons of people crowded in, absolutely no way to get in the door. So what did these four men who are carrying this lame man do? They ripped the roof. Oh, could have been a thatched roof. I don't know. But they destroyed this roof to lower this man down. And when this happens, obviously this gets Jesus's attention. But what's the first thing he says? Rise and walk. You're healed. No. Obviously, there's this whole episode in a moment with the scribes. We're going to we're going to just put that on the back burner for now because that's not the point of this, of, of compassion, in my opinion. He looked at the man, and of course this man is lame. Again, couldn't provide for himself, probably begged for money, might have been outcast by people, could have been spat upon. You know, when you're sick, they assumed you had done some sort of sinful deed, and the sins are what made you this way. And I have a feeling this man believed that. I have a feeling this man believed, I'm a sinner, something's wrong with me, God hates me. Or he tortured himself over his sins. Or he flailed himself thinking, God, if you just forgive me, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. But there was obviously a connection in his mind, this man's mind, with his sin and probably his sin and his being unable to walk. So what does Jesus do first? He doesn't heal him first. He doesn't. He does the more important thing and he restores his soul by saying, your sins are forgiven. Whatever burden this man was carrying is lifted off of him first, that his soul is restored, his soul is healed, his value is restored first, and then he heals him. Then he heals him. Rise, take up your mat and walk. So he restores the soul and then he restores the body. That is Christ-centered compassion. The restoration of the soul before you solve the problem. I realize that you and I can't just willy-nilly heal people. I wish we could. I, I got to be honest, I would heal myself. <laughs> but what's more important is that we can help through Christ Jesus see the value of a human soul, see through the muck, the mire, the homelessness, the illness, the anxiety, the hate, the political divisiveness, and we can see the soul and their value, and we can speak to the value of their soul. And by speaking to the value of the soul, we are showing them true compassion. Not judgment, compassion. So let's go into our last story here. This is a story of the woman with the issue of blood. This is a very known story. A lot of people um, really focus on her faith, and it is a beautiful, important part of the story. But I want to focus on something a little different today. So let's read it first. So in Mark 5:21, it starts, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay hands on her, so that she may be made well and alive. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed them and thronged about them. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse." She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in crowds and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. 
And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about to the crowd and said, who touched my garment? And the disciples said to him, you see this crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Okay, let's not skip, but let's establish this woman's life, right? This woman was chronically bleeding, meaning she was chronically menstruating. And when you were menstruating in that society, you had to stay in your home, sometimes just in a corner, do nothing and stay away from people until that was done. You weren't allowed to go to the market. You you weren't allowed to see people. You weren't allowed to be with your family necessarily. You had a very limited role inside your home, again, possibly even isolated because you were considered unclean. So here's a woman who has been an outcast for 12 years of her life. I, I imagine she is tired from losing blood all the time. She, I mean, in modern terms, we'd say, I'm sure she has an iron deficiency. She's very tired. Um, she, if This is known because she keeps seeing doctors, and she's unclean. Nothing's fixing her. She's just getting worse. She is doomed to live a life of isolation, of shame, of people not wanting to be with her, not being allowed to be with her. And so what does she do? She knows that Jesus can heal her. All of these people know that Jesus can heal them. She's willing to go into a crowd that she's not supposed to be in, sneak in. I imagine sneak in in a way that, like, hide her face, sneak in. She knows if she just touches the hem of his garment, well, that's lower to the ground. So she's probably on the ground, crawling through people. Here's the hem, touches it. Power leaves him and she's probably turning to leave and he says, who touched me? Now, again, this is a great faith that the woman shows and it's important. But there's so many other things happening right now. She knows something just happened to her. She has to because when he says, who touched me, she knows he means her. And the disciples are like, hello, look at all these people. How, how can you're saying everyone's touching you? No, 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 no. But she knew what he meant. Why call this woman out? I personally do not believe she's the only one in the Bible that ever reached over, touched Jesus, and was healed. I don't believe that. For all I know, every single person touching him was healed. But there was something about her. Yes, power left him. Power left him, so he knew, boom, this woman had the faith, that connection. She's healed. There was something that shifted in him, literally, that made him say, who was that? Now, why did he call her out? to honor her. She thinks he's probably going to be angry at her. She throws himself at his feet and tells him the whole truth. What's the whole truth? I'm unclean. I've been unclean for 12 years. So in front of this whole crowd, she's admitting she should be back in her house and she shouldn't be around anybody. She is breaking the law, the Jewish law anyway. And she is begging him, at least by, by her body posture, to not be angry at her because he's a man, a holy man, right? For all I know, she was allowed to be stoned. This is, she's unclean. She's out of her house. She is taking a risk, stepping forward and, and telling Jesus the truth. And what does he say? Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Go in peace. What does that mean, go in peace? This woman had to have 
been living in turmoil, anxiety, depression, sadness. He calls peace to her soul. He restores her soul. Go in peace. You are healed. Yes, her body was healed. Yes, faith healed her. But he knew something had shifted and he wanted to restore her in front of the crowd, probably the very crowd that would have chastised her, the very crowd that would have rejected her, yelled at her, drug her to the synagogue, the very crowd in in front of the whole crowd. He restores her dignity and restores her soul. And she can stand up and with pride walk home restored. She can go to the marketplace again. She can go see her family whenever she wants to again. They can see her again. She has become, again, someone who can be a part of love, community, and be seen as worthy. Jesus gives us worth and value before he bothers to solve our problems. I wrestle with this because As I see his compassion, I know how many times I have not been compassionate. I have simply answered a problem because I felt obligated, whether it was religiously obligated or maybe even God told me to do it. And I had kind of a bad attitude. I'm going to be really frank with you. It was not good. But beyond that, what I see is how lazy we are to not see the person behind the problem. There are high maintenance people in this world, a lot of them. But most of them just want relationship and love and dignity and self-worth, just just like anybody else would. But often all we see is the problem. See, I got about 20 minutes of empathy in me and I'm done. You stub your toe, you limp around, you tell me it hurts. I go, oh, gosh, I bet that hurts. Do you need something, some ice? And I'm going to hand you the ice and I'm going to walk away from your problem because I don't have a lot of empathy beyond that. But let's say that stubbed toe situation, let's be metaphorical here, last 12 years. Do you think anybody cared about this woman's problems? Do you think anybody cared about this lame man's problems? What about the leper? Forgotten. Forgotten except for maybe a handful of people in society. Nobody cared anymore. Nobody valued them. Nobody cared about their problems. So I'm sure they stopped complaining about their problem, but they still wanted it fixed so they could be restored. So nobody cared about their problems, but also nobody cared about them. They were nothing to people. So what does God do? He takes his sweet, beautiful, amazing, spiritual, um, elevated self far beyond us and, and restores the soul, sees their value and their worth before they were healed sees who they are and says, I still care about you, even if you're sick. Do you know how wonderful that would feel to say, I love you even on your worst day? And they mean it? You know the people who you really love in your life, they love you on your worst day. You think they hope you don't have a bad day every day because they don't want to hear you gripe about it. But they still love you on your worst day. I love my kids on their worst day. Is it my favorite thing for them to be grumpy? No. No, it isn't. But I love them. And I see who they are. Even when they're grumpy, I see the happy, sweet, funny, joyful, amazing kid that they are. If I just take a second to go, there you are. And even if they have an attitude on their face, I see past their face to who they are because I love them. But I don't see that with a lot of other people. I need Jesus to help me pause and say, maybe the reason this person's really needy today 
is because something's going on with their soul. And I can take five minutes of my day to look them in the eye, hopefully share a laugh, or just listen to their problem and not just be empathetic, golly, but to go, how can I help? Or I'm really sorry. Or maybe it's your neighbor who nobody ever visits and they're older. You don't just, not just drop off some cookies and go, but like hang out with them. Give them their value back. These are amazing people that God created. And, and even if they're rough or on the edges, see through that and say, God, help me see who you created them to be. Even if they're not living that way now, help me see who you created to be so I can take the time to value their soul. See, Jesus values their soul. And I am not trying to tell you I've got this great, but God is really revealing this to me. And it's just adding such a dimension to how I see people. And I just, it's so amazing to me. So this week, I also want to encourage you to pray and say, God, is there anything that is standing between me and you? Is there anything I'm not seeing? Is there something you're trying to restore in me other than fixing my problems? See, we come to God, and I'm guilty of this too, with our problems, but not with our needs. Fix this problem, fix this problem, fix this problem. But God, I need you to show me my value. I need you to show me who you created me to be. I need you to show me who I am in Christ so that nothing else matters but how you see me. I want you to see me and I want to see you. Please, God, help restore that relationship, that value, that connection. Because Jesus connected people to him. He saw them for who they were, despite their problems, despite their diseases. And he connected to them and gave them value, gave them peace, gave them forgiveness. So that there was a connection again. Guys, Christ-centered compassion is not easy to give, but it is the most beautiful thing when you really understand it. So I pray that this week we grow more by reading these stories, by going back to him, by saying, God, show me how I can show this to my kids, my family, my neighbors, but also, God, show me how you see me. Show me my worth. If you're struggling with anxiety or depression, pray for him to show you your immense value to him. He does not waste anything, much less a human soul. And if you are struggling to understand your dignity, your worth, your value, I ask that you pray for him to show you that and to restore your worth before you even tell him your problems. So thank you for being here. Reach out to us at strongchristianfemale at protonmail.com. Drop us a line. Let me know what's going on. If you have a prayer request, But in the meantime, have a wonderful week and we are excited to see you back here soon.